0: All right, so, to continue. We have the propaganda, which is effective because what it does is it creates electric fences in the minds of the livestock rather than in their physical surroundings. Because, right. I mean, cows are pretty dumb, right, all things considered. And, well, actually, a few things considered, i.e., everything's smarter than a cow. <laughs> but um, a ca- cows are pretty dumb. And... So, they need. They, so first of all, they don't mind being domesticated. They're as productive if they're domesticated, well, more productive if they're domesticated than if they're not domesticated. Mm-hmm. So, cows do very well in that kind of environment, but you need to, because they wander off, you need to keep them enclosed. And they can't milk themselves, right? But human beings, as far as livestock go, are, are fantastic. As long as they are not fully aware that they're livestock, then they're very productive, right? They will fence themselves, they will... Uh, have this sort of horizontal statism, which is uh, where they attack each other for even implying that they're not uh, well, that they're not free, that they're in fact livestock. So they'll do all of that and uh, uh, and most importantly, they will deliver their own milk, right? So they'll go off and milk themselves and deliver milk. and fundamentally, what human beings pay tax for voluntarily is to avoid. The reality that they're paying taxes involuntarily, right? You substitute, quote, voluntarism when you are in fact in a non voluntary situation in order to avoid the knowledge that you're in a non voluntary situation because that's very risky, right? Throughout history, that would be very risky and very dangerous to understand. And uh, of course, you are mocked and, and laughed at. The, the rulers don't want you to get that you're uh, livestock, right? So they make it. To make it funny, right? While continually training you to be a uh, better and better livestock. Now, another aspect of uh, of this is in the uh, enslavement. Because right? the real challenge to the ruling class are the very smart people, right? The very smart people are a challenge to the ruling class because they're smart enough to, uh, to figure this out, right? So the really smart people may recognize that they are enslaved that everybody's enslaved they may pop out of the matrix. So what do you do with the really smart people? Well, what you do is you require an enormous investment of time and effort in order to gain credentials. Right? So I mean, it's completely insane when you think about it, right? There were 12-year-old astronomers in some, of the middle, in some of the Middle Ages courts. Uh, in other words, people who'd mastered not just mathematics, but astronomy of, of the day, who were 12 and 13 and 14 years old. But what you need to do is you need to have your smartest people invest huge amounts of time and money... And of course, those are both the same thing. Huge amounts of time and money in order to gain credentials, in order to gain access to uh, to jobs, right? So professorships and uh, certain kinds of uh, uh, reporting and uh, the, the trades and the doctors and lawyers and all that, but but primarily the intellectuals. So you need to give them. Uh, you need to require from them an enormous amount of time and uh, and investment in order in order to have them be afraid of having that time and effort be wasted. It's a very, very fundamental thing. So, if you require someone to go through 12 years of education, four years of undergraduate, one to two years of a master's, and five to seven years of a PhD in order to become an expert in a (laughs) field... Oh, my God. It's so mad. It's so completely mad. What is that? 12 we got 16 17 18 and then 7 25 years of education in order to become uh, to become a doctor a doctor to have a doctorate in something right i mean <laughs> i mean that's just completely mad 4 years longer than the average lifespan of the roman empire takes to become an expert <laughs> romantic art or <laughs> something like that i mean right i mean so so what happens is when you get your your intellectuals to invest that much time and energy into uh pursuing a career they're going to be incredibly conservative and and it's one thing you really got to understand intellectuals are incredibly conservative because they never point out violence and their alternatives are always really pathetically bad and obvious and uh, in a sad sad protected market kind of way market driven so the socialists will preach to the socialists and the libertarians will preach to the Republicans and right, but it's all very, it's all a very closed closed system. And to, to take me right take me uh, uh, as a case in point. So imagine if in order to get a podcast, I had to go through 20 years of training and give up, I don't know, a million dollars of lost income and so on. And if I displeased anybody, then my podcast would be taken away, and my right to podcast would be taken away. Or let's say I had to pay a million dollars a year for a license to to podcast. Well, because the barrier to entry would be so high, the only people on the other side of that barrier to entry who make it through that barrier of, uh, to entry would be those who would be incredibly conservative, who would not uh, ever take the risk of creating an audience as I have done, but rather would have no choice fundamentally, unless they were like completely mental economic actors, which we can see <laughs> does not happen. They would ha- they would not be able to create a market. They would have to appeal to a market that was already there because the risks of trying to create a market of losing their license, of losing that quarter century of investment, or if you know count sort of higher education that um, you know seven to nine years uh, of investment and lost income and so on. Um, you, they, they simply can't take risks. They can't take risks, which means they can't reason from first principles, which means they have to reflect back some existing prejudice. Some existing prejudice must be, must be, must be reflected back in order for them to gain a market share, in order for them to have a market share, which is why you see, of course, um, a lack of innovation, in my opinion, in the libertarian community, in the socialist community, in the republican community. There's a a lack of um, reinvention Uh, A lack of continual improvement. And, of course, I come from the software marketing entrepreneurial sphere where continual improvement, uh, blowing up everything that you made last year in order to start again from scratch, uh, that is the name of the game, right? Evolving from 16-bit to to 32-bit, from uh, Access to SQL Server to Oracle from an access front-end to a BB front-end to uh, an ASP front-end to whatever, right? It's a continual process of reinvention. When I create a new version of the website or uh, have helped creating a new version of the website, I blow up everything that was there before except perhaps some general structure, and we start uh, all over again. So that creative destruction, which people praise so much in the free market, uh, just does not show up in um, credential-driven, uh, reporting or, or communications, and that's why uh, people say, "Well, you know, I don't respect anybody who doesn't have a, a, a Ph.D. Uh, in, in I'm, gonna, I'm not going to listen to anyone who doesn't have a Ph.D. in philosophy about philosophy. Well, all you're guaranteeing is that you're not going to hear anything original. You're not going to hear anything really challenging, and and that that that's for sure, because original and really challenging is the risk of trying to create a new market, and people who have no Plan B they're just not going to do it. They're just not going to do it. Like if you spent uh, 10 years trying to get a PhD and then you want to go and try and get tenure, you're just not going to be able to piss anybody off. You're going to have to take a recognized position and you're going to have to have all of the usual fawning civility, over-civility that should not be occurring in the realm of of ethics uh, and essential ideas. You're going to have, have to have all of that in order to achieve Uh, your goal of uh, making a living. Because otherwise, what are you going to do, right? As uh, Matt Groening says, like, meet the bitterest person in the the world, the person who studied for years and years and didn't end up getting a degree or got the degree but didn't end up getting a job in academia. Well, what are you going to do, right? Well, I don't know. What are you going to do? Cab driver, waiter, I mean, whatever it's going to be, it's going to be a complete catastrophe. And it's going to ruin your life, right? Because you're going to be like 30 or 35 or whatever, just starting out in some job job field with very little chance of progress. And, uh, I mean, if you're a woman, you're, what are you going to do in terms of having kids and a family? And if you're a guy, you're not, you're not that much better off, right? So, so, if you're the state, the way to protect yourself from the very intelligent is to have goodies and have a protected system that they all want to try and break into, right? Like, like the media. Uh, and, of course, the media is protected, right? And the media is protected fundamentally because um, taxes are so high... That um, you can't—I mean, people can't afford proper reporting anymore, right? I mean, uh, there used to be more reporting, uh, but but people can't report um, can't afford proper reporting anymore. And therefore, what they have to do is they basically have to retype government propaganda, right? That's what happens. The government calls a press conference, and people say yay or nay to it. You get some cheap-ass pundits <laughs> in, darling. You okay? You get some cheap pundits in and you talk about uh, the government's points, and all of that is really cheap, right, compared to actually hiring reporters, doing stories, doing research, interviews, and so on, right? You, you, so you have to have access to the government in order to be able to run an even remotely profitable media enterprise these days, and the only way you get access to the government is you tow the party line of one kind or another, right? You simply don't question any fundamentals about the government. Otherwise, you find that you will simply have no access to those government people anymore, and then, as a reporter your cost goes up, right? As a, as a reporter, your cost goes up enormously if you don't get access to government figures because then you have to do research and that sort of stuff, right? <laughs> Boo-boo, shwee-dumbs. And of course, if you're a professor or you want to become a professor, you really have to toe the party line. I mean, you just have to. You're just not going to go out and try and, uh, uh, and create something new because your entire livelihood, your life, your future, your capacity for family and children and everything that you may want in your life uh, hangs upon... Uh, you fitting into some existing slot right Uh, expecting innovation from academics and the media is like expecting the police show up with a fantastic new anti-theft device right it's like imagine I mean I was thinking about this the other day I was at a store and of course Isabella likes to grab things in the store and I let her grab things and carry them around but she can't walk out because they've all got those sensors right they go beep 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 if you try and walk out with something of course and it just sort of struck me, I mean, this is the whole problem with statism and, and all of these protected groups that I'm talking about. Imagine uh, if if these things had not been invented, these sensors, and the police showed up and said, hey, you know, we've uh, been trying to figure out how, you know, we been racking our brains about how to reduce your theft because, you know, we're the police and we really want to protect your property. And so, uh, the police R&D department has come up with this fantastic anti-theft devices, these uh, things which attach to clothing, which when you break them, they... Uh, stain the clothing um, and, uh, you know, these magnetic strips and uh, UPC codes and all that kind of stuff so that people can't switch price tags on you. And so, we want to give this to you for free because you're a taxpayer. We want to protect your property. Of course, the police would never do anything like that, not in a million years. The police are there to file your paperwork, to abuse minorities, and uh, to tell you that nothing can be done. And... um, uh, that that's you would no more expect genuine innovation from academia or the media or the other sort of intellectual classes than you would expect the police to show up with some fantastic new anti-theft device. Uh, you know, hey, we've got these GPS systems, which we're going to give you for free or heavily subsidized for your car, because we as the police are very concerned about uh, car uh, theft. And so we've got these GPS devices, which means that we can go and track them down within minutes of it being stolen, blah, 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 right? Well, that's never in a million years is going to happen any more than you're going to get genuine innovation from uh, from academia, right? And and what I mean by, and particularly libertarian academia, all I mean by innovation in this context is to say, hey, we failed, <laughs> so let's take another approach, which leads you to childhood trauma, family abuse, you know, the stuff that we talk about here, or the stuff that I talk about here, anyway, and other people listen and occasionally participate in it. But That's how you control the intellectual classes, is you make sure that they have such an enormous investment in gaining a particular position that they're just going to end up having to be horrifically conservative. I mean, remember, when I started this podcast, I had a job, right? I mean, I had no, I had no, uh, nothing at stake. I was already driving to work and back, and I certainly was, you know, tired of audiobooks and even tired of my music. And uh, so, for me, it was more fun to record podcasts than – like, it was It was a no-lose situation. It was much more fun to rep- record podcasts, and uh, I didn't really ever think that it was – no idea that it was going to turn into something that would be like a job. And so, there was no barrier to entry. There was no prior investment. There was nothing to lose because I was doing it all for free. And those are the conditions that are required to speak the truth, And uh, in my opinion, for most people anyway, right? I mean, uh, I certainly did get all the way through the master speaking some pretty heavy truths, but um, uh, I did not really want to continue, and I don't think anybody was <laughs> very enthusiastic about me continuing either. But uh, that's how you control the um, uh, the intelligent classes. Now, how do you control the old? Because the old, right, is something I saw an interview with, uh, I think it was on Ellen, with um, Clint Eastwood. No, it was after his uh, film about the boxer. A million dollar baby uh, he said uh, I'm 73 what can they do to me like I'm 73 years old what can they do to me right so the problem with the old is the old have little to lose right and so they 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 have less fewer consequences to speaking the truth right so if you're some 80 year old professor and you've retired you can speak the truth right and what can they do to you they take away your doctorate who cares they can't take away your teaching job because right you've already saved your money and so they can't take away your money. Uh, so w- the problem is the old, right? How are you going to deal with the old and the fact that the old have uh, much less to lose from speaking the truth? Well, of course, you make the old dependent upon the state, and that way, the old uh, cannot, right? the old and wiser cows can't instruct the younger cows because it would be instant hypocrisy. And uh, so, you make the old dependent upon the state, and you do that through uh, pensions and medical care, right? Money and healthcare are the two things that the old need because they don't work as much and uh, they get sick. Hopefully, I will at some point say we get sick uh, if I'm lucky. But you make the old uh, dependent upon you. I mean, I'm not saying this is sort of any 12-point plan or anything. This is just you know, human beings have a brilliant set of instincts for um, control and uh, and uh, the ownage uh, ownership of of people. And so all of this kind of and so you want to provide healthcare that is going to protect people's capacity to work. Right in the same way that you don't give a much of a crap if your cow is just you know is a little lame, uh, but you do give a crap if uh, your cow can't produce milk. Right, so uh, you will get good healthcare if something's keeping you from working. But as long as you can work, people are like, no, yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter. Right, as long as you're still productive, as long as you're still producing. Now, if you become non-productive but dependent on the state, right, that's very important as well because. I just sort of mentioned the uh, the old, but the other question is, well, how do you deal with the problem of the poor? Because the poor also have less to lose from speaking the truth, right? Because they have so much less to take away, to have taken away. And that's, of course, where welfare uh, comes in and uh, to some degree unemployment insurance. But that's uh, how you take care of the poor is you make them dependent upon the state. So you've really got everything blocked, at least people did until this sort of new technology came along and we're starting to make some gains myself and others, uh, some gains down this road. But that's how you uh, make sure that, you know, the matrix remains undisturbed by the smart, by the old, by the poor, uh, by the young. And uh, of course, it's uh, proven to be a very, very powerful and effective system. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. As always, it's uh, January 2010. If you have a few extra shekels, January is a lean month for Freedom Main Radio post-Christmas and all. If you could dig a little deeper and uh, send some money in, that would be hugely, hugely appreciated. All the best.